Hey, welcome to Iron Details. I'm Nick. And I'm James. And we're live at Square One. Woo! Yeah! Yeah, let's There we go. There we go. We are fortunate enough to be in front of a live studio audience. That's right. In uh, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Um, you know, usually we got a, a glass of wine in our hand. Today we're uh, going stone cold turkey. So we might be uh, a little bit less fluid. Yeah. But James is always fluid. That's disgusting, Nick. <laughs> Why would you share that? <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, it makes sense for us to do a little square one recap. That's right. How, how was your square one? It's been great. Um, well, you know, as some of you may know, I was a little late in arriving the other day. Well, how late did you arrive? In the, late enough that apparently I was ridiculed mercilessly oh, no. by Hector Silva. <laughs> um, but, you know, I came all the way to Chicago and I was like, I'm not leaving here until I meet one of my design heroes, Creighton Berman. Oh, okay. So he's a local designer, industrial designer, worked many years at Gravity Tank. Um, and now is off on his own. He does some consulting, but he also has his own brand okay. uh, called Manual. And he's kind of, he's like, as far as I know, one of like the Kickstarter pioneers. Right. He was, the, wasn't he the first Kickstarter or the first design Kickstarter or something? Was he? I, you know, well, we have to double check. I'll have that. to read back on that. Do we have a fact checker in the audience? That's correct. Yes. Oh, wow. I did my research too, James. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, well, that makes that makes sense. He, being a pioneer, he had all sorts of like covered wagons outside of his outside of his studio and everything. Was... Man, manual. What kind of brand is it? Well, so For those I, who I it like out. I really like the sort of um, the sort of mission statement or the idea around it is that objects that celebrate slowness. Oh, so a lot of them are around different rituals. Okay. So like coffee and alcohol. Right. And, so you know, the, one of the uh, one of the things that I first saw of his was his drip coffee maker number two. Okay. Which um, this was before I even knew about drip coffee being a thing, um, and it's this really beautiful um, glass. It's like one. It's like one piece. Of, like the glass is the structure, but it's also where you put the filter mm. for the uh, for the drip coffee, and then it has a nice. Uh, I think it's a wooden base. That's um, nice. We'll post pictures of this too. Yes. Minordetailspodcast.com. Um, but I really, I love that idea of, you know, as everything's getting faster and we're looking for convenience, this idea of slowing down and taking stock and, you know, just because all of these things all, you know, are very ritualistic. Um, coffee, I don't know about you, but in the morning, I, I have to go through my coffee ritual. I waited way too long to get coffee in my system yesterday and I had a pounding headache. Oh yeah, that's always bad. Uh, yeah, I'm what you would call an addict. Yeah, um, I'm a coffee addict In too. the traditional sense. Uh, so, but Wait, I... So you met him and you talked I to him? I met him. Did he say anything? What, like, what was he like? He was like, Nick Baker, no, let me tell you what I think about Nick Baker. He didn't no. say that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was great. We talked for like an hour and a half easily. Uh, it was... It was just... Uh, we, should get him, we should get him on the pod. Yeah, I know. Um, super interesting. And he also, I think he's a former co-worker of, uh, is it Teddy? Teddy Lou? Um, and they do similar, like, 
I guess Gravity Tank did this sort of sketch notes thing. It was a common practice right. in the office. And, and, and Teddy's here. He did a workshop at Square One as well. Yes. Um, so he does a lot of illustration. He has another account on Instagram, which is awesome, called No Commercial Value. It's no underscore commercial underscore value. And it is hilarious. I highly recommend checking it out. I love it too. I've, my favorite one is the beer can that has a shot glass can inside of the beer can. Beautiful. So when you open up a beer, you get a beer in a shot. Yes. It, my, I would say my favorite is the app that analyzes an analog clock and tells you what time it is. Um, you know, it's uh, some of these are like our lips. You know, they're like silly, but some of them you're like, I would actually probably right. use that or pay for it. Yeah, it's like beautiful little sketches and stuff. Check it out if you haven't had a chance. Yeah, but uh, it was great. I, I really love love his work. Love the ethos around his work. He's like super energetic. He's a VTID alum, so okay. So I got I him. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> so that was. Uh, that was great to uh, to get a chance to talk to him, and then I had to rush out the door to get here to do my workshop. How was your workshop? It was great. Um, what was your workshop about? Like just to re refresh everyone. Well, I, I shouldn't say it was great. I should ask people if it was great. <laughs> that's, <but. laughs> that's a good question. Was was James's workshop great? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Ego stroked. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, so what I did for my workshop was sketching on the fly. So um, it's sort of techniques that I've uh, built up over the years because of having to draw in inconvenient areas. On the, like on the, the subway, subway, right? Oh, being smushed <laughs> and crushed into those seats. And uh, so, so using that limited space, and I actually had everybody in the workshop crunch in together. I, I, I had everybody get elbow to elbow That's with beautiful. each other um, for some of the exercises and taught them continuous line sketching. Um, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I, I think it's really good for that type of sketching because it is a very tight sketch. It's all contained, right. whereas the traditional ID sketching is always these like, like broad right. sweeping gestures. Like you're using your elbow, your whole no. body, right? Yeah. But yours is just like all one line yeah. and I love how the lines connect elements of the sketch it yeah. kind of informs the design a lot it uncovers like yeah literal connections between pieces of the form right. um, with with a physical line and it yeah it uncovers some opportunities and it was funny so I I asked everybody to, to, to crunch together but I was up at the podium and trying to figure out how I could put myself in a similar situation okay. And uh, actually in the audience right now, Sadie Lumen, she suggested that I use my lanyard. And so I, I pulled it down around my shoulders and down to my elbows. Like a straight jacket? Yeah, okay. straight jacket style. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I looked crazy. That's a really terrible joke. But uh, put it down around, put it down and, and use that to... Uh, that's yeah, funny. That's good. To hold myself together. No, that's awesome, James. So, and then um, once that was finished, you know, the ideation portion in, in people's notebooks, they took pictures, and then I showed them how to uh, do some quick rendering on their phone with uh, your finger Pro. finger rendering. Oh, yeah. Classic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, yeah, what about you, Nick? You, you had your – did you have a workshop yesterday or just today? Oh, yesterday. No, I just got to hang out yesterday. I really enjoyed going to some other workshops. Yeah, um, who did you go see? I went and saw a creative session. Oh, you know, 
If you mm. haven't, if, if you're not familiar with them, check them out. Creative dot session yeah, on Instagram. If you're not familiar with them, leave the room, please. No, well, my mom's listening. Oh. She's not here. She's not here. <laughs> it's we're recording. We're recording. <laughs> you think she would actually like get up and leave leave whatever room in the house she's listening to the podcast? I don't know. Maybe. Um, <laughs> um, they were awesome guys. I I really admire their level of detail and the way they can really I don't know, refine. Just simple forms. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. I try to get it out of them. They wouldn't tell me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They gave some wonderful tips, and they talked a lot about uh, working at Playground, which is the I guess it's like an incubator investing startup thing. I'm still not exactly clear, but it seems like they're doing awesome work. There. Yeah, it seems like they they partner with companies to be more in bed with them as they develop the product and the brand. Right. It's not just like, here's what you asked for. It's 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 a more uh, intimate exchange. Yeah, definitely. Like when they bring on a client, that client's with them for life. Because it's they've invested in that client. Yeah. You know? Yeah, until the day that di- that client dies. I guess, maybe. Yeah. And then they release their royalties. But um, but yeah, I, I liked so one thing was I was asked during my session if, um, well maybe I should mention this later because I think we would like to talk about it a little bit more, but people were asking me if my level of sketching that I was doing for the sketch on the fly would be appropriate to show to a client and my reaction was no. Yeah. But um, some, like some of the stuff that they were showing, uh, the Creative Session brothers, they were showing stuff that was just a slightly higher level fidelity from what right. I was doing. So Yeah, no, that's interesting. It's, I think, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think we can in, dive into let's that. Let's get into that and later. Yeah. But um, who else did you see? Oh, I saw Dom, um, Dom Montante, I believe is his name. He works for Umbra, mm. and his Instagram handle is dom.design. And I just, it, I'm a big Umbra fan, so I was yeah. interested in picking his brain on the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like he's doing great there. I, he, I think he recently started there. Um, if I'm not mistaken, but he talked about thumbnailing, mm-hmm. which kind of goes along the same lines, like thumbnailing and showing it to your coworkers and, you know, what level of fidelity you need. Really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the two workshops I went to yesterday. Great workshops. And then we had a nice party last night. Mm-hmm. Got to hang out with everyone, talk with everyone. Yeah. I, I got to tell you the story, James. It's pretty good. So, you know, our, our intro music is done by Mikey.Sketches, who is an industrial designer. His, his uh, SoundCloud is Kiyoshi the Kid. He has some awesome music. But he actually goes to CCA, Creative mm-hmm. Col- CCA. <laughs> California College of the Arts, yes. And uh, I met another girl that's here at the conference that goes to California College of Arts. Uh-huh. Her name is Nadia, and she was like, Nick, I have to tell you this story. And she's like, you know, I've been listening to the podcast since you started it, and I really enjoy every episode. And then, you know, on a, around episode eight or something, you guys got a jingle. Like, before we didn't have a jingle. And she was so excited to hear the jingle, and then when she heard it, she hated it. She didn't like it at all. But she's friends with Mikey.Sketches, who made the jingle. Yeah. And uh, she didn't know that Mikey did it yet. So she, she texted Mikey, and she was like, Mikey, Mikey, have you heard the jingle? It sucks so bad. You can make a great one for these guys. Can you do it for them? <laughs> and Mikey's like, oh, I, I did. <laughs> that was a, did, a funny coincidence. Did you but. prod her anymore as to what she, in particular she didn't like about the jingle? No, I don't. I, I've heard that actually it takes time to, I don't know, 
get used to. I think there was a few people that were like, yeah, it was okay at first, but now I like it. Yeah. Well, I think it, because like we didn't establish it from the beginning, there were maybe expectations oh, okay. about yeah. what it was. And we just love that sleazy French electro <laughs> pop, you know? I got to get so, that, that funkiness in there. You yeah. Know? So that's, that's where like when, when uh, Mikey reached out to us and we heard one of his tracks, we were like, this is so sleazy. This is the one. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we it, it clicked for us. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that was it was great hanging out with everyone and just meeting. It's amazing to be able to meet all these people that we've built a community around. Right. right. You know, there's so many people that have been like talking to me about the podcast, and I a couple of people come up and be like, "Yeah, I love the podcast. I really like James." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> that's nice. He's a cool guy too. I like him too." <laughs> And well, then they just run away. Yeah, like, but then I look over at Nick, and you have like 20 people waiting to talk to you. And I'm like, I draw on receipts. <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> but, uh, but it's been great. It's been yeah. amazing to connect with you guys. Um, the Creative IRL. Sessions keynote last night. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, watching Creative Sessions do a presentation is the closest I've ever come to seeing an Outcast concert. Because it's like two hot MCs coming up. They're like... Here we go, here we go. Like, this is what I have to say. And then it just like rolls back into the darkness, and then the other one comes up, and it's there. It's, it's amazing. They got that brotherly connection. Yeah. They're vibing for sure. I like the way they move. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a cool. I, I also went to their workshop today, and it was just really. I mean, I, I think I heard about them, I guess it was like four years ago. Um, a coworker of mine, Hui Jin, showed me their work, and I was like, this, this is the level of sketching that I aspire to, this is the level of quality of design that I aspire to. Like, I, I, have, I have been looking up to them for a long time. Yeah, same, um, for sure. Until I met them in person, and they're shorter than oh, me, no. but, you know, that's another thing. That's, that's, a, that's the strange... Everyone's, sh- everyone's shorter than you, James. That's the strange... Well, yeah, I, that's the interesting thing about meeting people that you've only known through Instagram, is Instagram doesn't give any sense of height. Right. So, you know, nobody in their profile picture is standing in front of, like, you know... A, a, what like a a lineup? No, there's no line. There's it's not a it's not at the police station. No. Yeah. No. So it's like oh I hi I didn't. I, you know. Well, you know who we met, James Polius. Oh my gosh, he's tall. He who uh, did the block architecture. Yeah. Um, it's a block set that area. I think area where sells it. Yeah. I like to think about such a I mean such a tall man working on such small toys. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, he, well, James and I. Fan fangirl over his sketches oh, all the time. All the time. And Fan uh, boy. Wait, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yes, go ahead. Fan and boy. and uh, we ne- we had never seen his face because all he posts is sketches and he doesn't even have a profile picture. No. So we met him and we're like, hey, we freaked out. Jane, I don't. If you don't know James Polius, he is he's like the dark horse of industrial design. Yeah. Instagram. Yeah. He, he just is. comes out with the hot fire, and I had to talk to him last night. Because I've watched him do live sketching. With the keyboard? Oh, with the keyboard where he draws the keys first. Why would you draw the keys first? Who does that? Why would you can't you can't I would never be able to fit all the There are bodies underneath his floorboards. There it's not natural. I don't know. But uh, but it's it's amazing. His sketching style is amazing and he's got amazing taste. He's also, we've mentioned before, he has an inspiration 
Instagram page, which the, the name of is, is escaping little, me at the moment. Little Masak Oh, yeah. What was it? Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, really cool guy. Um, and then who, who, do, who have you seen today? Well, today well, I had... you had yours. Right. I had my, my yeah. uh, session today. You didn't today. see anybody because you were in virtual reality. I, would, I was. <laughs> That's the great thing about virtual reality. I always say this. It's like, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to talk to like a crowd of 100 people when you can't see them. You know, yeah. you're in a virtual space. Um, but my sketch or my VR session, sketch session, was good. I had a yeah. lot of people ask some great questions and were really interested in kind of the future of VR sketching. Um, and we've discussed it on the podcast plenty of times, but it's it's definitely, uh, I think, going to be an integral part of industrial design eventually. Yeah. Um, you know, right now it's still in its infancy, but uh, yeah, we had people come up and try it out. Mm-hmm. Had people experience the virtual world, and they really enjoyed it. Yeah. So That's I don't. Awesome. I, I hope to see more of you guys trying out virtual reality sketching. Yeah. And I don't know if you you guys have seen it, but uh, Creative Sessions has a has a story that they did in front of Nick. Right. Because the thing is, is that when Nick is in the virtual world, he's unaware of what's happening in the physical world. Yes. And so they had a great story. They came uh, up and took a selfie with me. I didn't even know it. <laughs> you know. That's great, but um, you know, uh, you know, do you want to talk about uh, our Airbnb situation as well? <laughs> oh, it's it's nice. I, Hector, Chicago's we a, got a uh, we got a, I got an email from Hector about my Airbnb that said uh, we're putting you in Chinatown now. Uh, it's safe, but don't go outside. That <laughs> that was kind of like my Airbnb situation. I was like, okay, yeah, we're back to square one here. Well, I know Reed walked out of his uh, apartment on uh, yesterday morning and there was like a chicken truck outside or something. Oh, yeah. Live chickens. Yeah, get your live chickens. Yeah. Yeah, go down to Chinatown. They're giving out live chickens all the time. It's, uh, it's a pro tip. Well, uh, well, I, I appreciate you inviting us, Hector, and it's, yes. it's been a great square one and I really enjoy meeting everyone and I don't know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think there's there's this theme that keeps coming up in a, in in a lot. You right. Know, as as I mentioned before, there's this theme of because we're we're talking about process here, but I guess the question is, when does process become presentable? To, yeah. You know, to a client, there's there's all these questions about is this appropriate to show to a client? Right. Because we had a lot of sessions where it was about kind of doodling and sketching for yourself, kind of thumbnailing. Um, You know, we touched on it, Creative Session did very quick sketches, kind of doodles, and then just threw it into Photoshop to make it look nice. And you do the same thing, you do Sketchbook Pro on your phone. Um, And yeah, is, is that appropriate to show to a client? I, somebody asked me and I said I didn't think it was, but, but now I'm starting to uh, change my tune a little bit. Oh, interesting. Okay. I don't know, because from seeing that, um, from seeing what they were showing to their client, I mean, you know, I think that my, my style is loose, but I've always been concerned with communi- you know, communication, com- communicability. Com- yeah, look that up. You're getting there. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, you know, as long as it communicates, is it an appropriate level to show to a client? And, yeah. and does it depend on the client? I think definitely it depends on the client. You know, Dom at Umbro was saying that, you know, for them, it's all in-house. Yeah. He can take his thumbnails and show it to 
his boss, and his boss right. understands because he's a, another designer. You know, he can see through the concept. Right. It kind of reminds me of, of back to the MakerBot competition when they were asking us to document our process, and I and I don't know if they were like looking for hot sketches, but you know, I just did a, a spread in my moleskin, just like pretty loose stuff, because right. that's that's all I need to communicate to myself. Like I, yeah, you know, for I, sure. This is this is me communicating to myself, but. You know. I mean, I, my birdhouse idea almost came fully formed. Like once I once I imagined the birdhouse coming out of yeah. the poster that yeah. was stuck to the telephone pole. Like I don't know. Like what what am I, what, am I, what else am I going to sketch? Yeah. Out once you came out of your ayahuasca trip, you were just like, here, here it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm. It's something that I am constantly curious about because being a freelancer, I'm often in house. So I'm presenting to higher ups. Okay. So I d- what what level of sketching do you present? I I will present this um, recently with a client. I just I presented a, a sketch page, like a fairly clean sketch page, page of marker renders. But you know, there's a with lot ac- of discussion with actual markers or with actu- actual markers. Digital. Okay, uh, okay. It was one of those situations. I don't know if anybody else has encountered this, but. But like I haven't I haven't used markers in a while, and somebody brought in a set of markers, and I was like, "Ooh, markers!" And so I just started drawing with them, and it just happened to be the nature of what I presented to to oh, the okay. reps at the company. It's not something that I would typically do, but it was like these are here. I want to use them. And how how well was it received? Well, I think it was I think it was received well. These clients are kind of hard to read, okay. but. Um, I think it was it was received well because we were we were very much just trying to it was like a progress report. Okay. You know, this is we're not presenting anything so finished and polished that we want the client to think that, you know, we're not gonna take any of their feedback. Um, yeah, that's that's important too. If you do something so tight and clean, the client can look at it and be like, Oh, this won't work right because because right. it, it looks finished to them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's very loose they can kind of fill in the blanks yeah. of that loose sketch. Yeah. I know for me, uh, when I was working at PetMate, uh, the pet company I was at in Texas, I, uh, I would just do thumbnails and then CAD and then 3D print. Like I would just like do the yeah. entire process and then kind of show the 3D prints. Right. Because it was very heavy into like physical testing. Because you got to test dog toys, you know. You yeah. Can't, you can't just like sketch up a dog like I don't know I mean maybe there's there's the why the dog toy runs the gamut of different types of play Mm -hmm. like there's characters and things but yeah I guess it really depends on the project too yeah I mean I think it is very it's project dependent it's client dependent Um, that's the that's the other thing is showing 3D prints to clients yeah because that was another discussion that we had uh, with this this uh, this client that I'm working with was what level of fidelity of model should we show to the client? Mm. Because what like we ended be, up doing like a the, finished prototype or just like a rough 3D print? Right, because because once again, if you 3D print something, then um, I mean, people will think, oh, you've you've really like set your sights on a particular solution. Right. Um, so for the first round of ID or the first round of ID sort of mock-ups, we, we just did cardboard, like laser-cut cardboard, just like sort of volumetric. Ooh, I like that. Um, so it was, it was 
enough that they could project onto it and, yeah. and kind of expand upon it, but it wasn't so defined. Would you go and say that maybe during the early phases of the design process, the client or the presentation you give to the client should be a little bit more loose, kind of like we're saying, maybe a looser sketch, maybe a looser prototype? Could we say that? I mean, it, it seems it seems to be. We don't know anything. It seems to be a common thread. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. You know, that's what we see out of the creative sessions presentation, is uh, you know this this more uh, loose. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of like celebrating one or two details. Right. Um, but it's not so prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it does seem like a, a looser thing, but but at the same time, it has to communicate it. You know, to some degree, and to what level does it need to communicate is the question. I think, yeah, maybe that is, the, I think the key there is just adding in that emotion to mm-hmm. the sketch. I think they talked about, or I was at one, I was at some other, um, I was at a Carly Haggins uh, session, and she was doing a lot of characters mm-hmm. and talking about how adding characters into the sketch can really humanize the sketch, be able to have the client put themselves into the right. sketch. And Creative Session, I believe, mentioned that as well, like having the client be able to have that emotional connection with it. Yeah. You know, not just sketching out this, you know, shoe and then presenting it to the client, but sketching out the shoe, throwing some color on it, giving it like a, a name for the concept. Maybe the shoe is called Jet or yeah. like, you know, Superpower or something to that nature. And then the client can really relate to that. Yeah. Maybe you see a kid running in the shoe. It's also, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've experienced before that you'll do something, you'll like make something a certain color and it'll sort of be maybe a bit arbitrary yeah. and that's like the only thing that the client will focus on. I, I, so I asked them that question because when Creative Session presented their uh, work, they had all these shoe concepts that they had presented to a client, but all the shoe concepts were different colors. And I was like, oh, it's... I always present one color. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't deviate color because that is something that clients can be polarized on. Right. So all of your concepts are the same color. Yeah. So if I mean, usually it's just gray. Right. Um, sometimes I'll throw in a splash of color and it'll all be blue or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, they showed, you know, pink, blue shoes, green shoes. They showed all kinds of shoes. And I was like, is that? Do your clients get hung up on that? And I think what they kind of answered was the emotional aspect of it Mm. you know and they also showed multiple colors of the shoes so like when they presented three concepts they actually presented six sketches Mm -hmm. and each of those concepts had two colors each Mm. so I think that's kind of how they solved it but I think the color was nice to add in that emotion Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I, I agree but I would say like similarly with my my last um concept presentation, I did everything monochromatic. Um, and, and I got a comment where somebody said they all look the same, but I wasn't sure if that was because they thought all the forms looked the same or if they couldn't differentiate between them because they were all the same color. Okay, and they didn't clarify? Huh? You just like said, blocked them out of your mind? <laughs> what, what happened? I I. I um I cried. They, you cried. Yeah, I I'm cried sorry. and I ran out of the room and I said, "This is unfair. Um, how dare you?" Uh, and uh, threw a fit. And uh, it was actually on the front page of the New York Times. Oh, I don't know well, if you saw that. Okay. Um, yeah, it was a scene. Um, I'm glad you're here now, James. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I, I mean, I think I think each phase 
and, and it depends on how you're defining the phases, kind of dictate the level of fidelity. Right. And also, you just kind of have to read the client, right? You have sure. To, it's definitely a client, uh, based on the client, too. Because the client for the Creative Sessions project was a guy from from Nike? It, yeah, he was. So, so maybe they felt like they could, you know, be present in a certain way because of the mm -hmm. audience. And then, you know, we were talking to Reed earlier, Reed Schlegel and the King. <laughs> He's so mad at me for starting that round. <laughs> um, and Reed was mentioning how, you know, the client expects from you what you do. You know, you do a lot of blind contours. And I think you've established yourself, or not blind contour, continuous line. Yeah. And you've kind of established yourself in that style. And I think clients expect that from you. Right. Um, well, I don't know... Well, that was that was his comment. I yeah. thought it was an interesting point for sure. I think if I think if a client found me through Instagram and reached out to me and asked me to do work for them, then I might do something in that style. Yeah. But since I'm being brought in by by somebody within the, within a company to do freelance, I like it's not like the CEO hired me because of my style. You know. Right. So, okay. I, yeah, it's so, a different thing for yeah. sure when you go into the business, but yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. I mean, I think that I don't know. Do you have any like other thoughts on <laughs> presenting sketches to clients? Uh, I think I think it's always I think it's always important to, to like the creative sessions guys. I, I think it's important to to like name things and and also because people latch on to those. Names. I like that too. Um, and I and I think it's also important to just highlight with each concept you don't want to highlight too many details like like each one of them like needs to be a prominent detail um for sure celebrate one thing and yeah. then have supporting elements to it yeah because i mean the client could be like i like that part of that concept and i like that part of that concept and yeah then, yeah know, um and then you've you frankenstein um frankenstein and, that's yeah. right but uh but I don't know, Nick. Do you have any any closing thoughts on the uh, on this topic? Yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely a difficult topic, and I I kind of think the idea of doing the looser stuff in the beginning makes a lot of sense, mm -hmm. you know, and then tightening it up as you go. That's kind of my consensus. But no, I think that was a great great thought. Um, I want. I think we should do live questions. Yes. Right now, take yes. live questions from the audience. So and we have. We have an extra microphone. We have a microphone. I don't know if someone wants to be a help us hold the mic and everything. Uh, I think we'll just pass it around the audience. Does it? Doesn't it? I actually, they're all they all gone. They're all gone. They left. What? They're Who gone. Left? The audience. What? Are they here? Where are they? <laughs> you guys? Guys? All right. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm now coming off right. the stage. James will be right back. Would anybody like to ask a question? Uh, raise your hand. Anybody? Anybody? This is live questions with minor live details. Questions. Oh, no, I'm not throwing the microphone up. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, we can hear you. All right. Just, just yell it. Um, is there anything that you guys are, like, will not design? Let's say something maybe ethically crazy, like a gun. Would you guys mm. not design a gun? Yeah, hey, let me... do you draw the line? To... Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. And the question was, is there anything we won't design, especially ethically, in terms of weapons or other controversial topics? I, I've, 
It's hard to say because I've never been approached to do so. I don't think I would design a gun. I just don't think it's it's necessarily something that I would be reached out to design. Yeah. Um, I, um, unless it had some sort of like fidget spinner element to it. <laughs> um, but I don't, I just don't, I don't foresee any, anybody reaching out to me to, to design weaponry. I, I might design a, a samurai sword. What about maybe a... I don't know. Maybe it doesn't have to be a weapon. Maybe it's something that's like, uh, I don't know, sexual product. Oh, I'm all in. You're in. You're you're in for that dildo. Whoa, Nick! Your mom is listening. I, I, I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry. Uh, I I don't know. That sounds fascinating. Don't you think, Nick? It does sound there, fascinating. You, you're I just, sweating right now. I, I just don't think I could do it. No. No. I don't think I could do it. Uh, what about something that you thought was going to be particularly wasteful? Oh, maybe like, what, takeout from like McDonald's or something? <laughs> like takeout packaging? I, yeah, something like that. Or, or just like an oil drum that just leaks. <laughs> well, why did you design in that feature in the first place, Nick? You know, easy. It seems like an odd choice. I don't know. <laughs> I don't um, know why the clients picked it either. I, yeah, I, yeah, for certain, I think that I would only choose projects that... I want to work on. I don't think I would do any um, ethically, I don't know, controversial products. Yeah. Um, like, would you work on the border wall? Uh, what? <laughs> the border wall? <laughs> no, no. Um, I I do remember this one story. I don't know if you guys know Raymond Lowy. Yeah. He is the kind of the father of industrial design. He's, right. He was a designer back industrial designer back, I guess, the sixties, nineteen sixties. Um, and someone had approached him to design a grenade that could fragment even more than grenades already do. Oh. Yeah. And it, it was it was like a, I read. Did he do it? His book. No, no, he he declined it for sure. Wait, which would this have been during World War Two or World War One or was it was it? I'm pretty in sure. Wars. I mm, that's. I'm not history. Raymond Lowy, we would like you to design a grenade. Uh, <laughs> I think it was a little after that era. I don't know what era that it's is. It's for our boys in blue. Is that All like right. 1920s? I'm pretty sure yeah. that's roaring 20s right there. Um, yeah, he declined it uh, just obviously for ethical reasons. Right. So, I, it is also something that I know there's people out there that are passionate about that kind of thing. You know, there's plenty of people that are enjoy designing and creating weapons or sexual products or whatever it is yeah so I, I leave that up to them right I think if we were designing weapons or not weapons but um, I don't know guns for for hunters or something like that because you know they're that's interesting that's, like a like a some sort of hunting rifle yeah I mean uh, you know a lot of hunters they're they're hunting you know animals and then they are eating the meat from the animals I might I might do a bow and arrow a bow and arrow I'd be down for that yeah <laughs> for for competitions or for hunting uh, I don't know I, I, I th I'm imagining like Robin Hood type of bow and arrow yeah so like robbing from the rich and giving you the poor yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Bow and arrow? Uh -huh, uh -huh. yeah a communist bow and arrow no, like a communist I don't know <laughs> but uh, no that, that was a great question what was your name Cato uh, shout out to Cato at Cato Choi at Cato Choi follow him now uh, does anybody have any other questions? We have a microphone. All right, it's coming to the audience. I'm running out here. All right, here he goes. James is running. Running down the stairs. Oh, jumping over things. Oh, 
All right. Hey. So square one, like conferences like this, bring together people's Instagrams and then also their faces, right? You were talking about learning everybody's heights. Mm -hmm. So you guys host a podcast. Would you rather, moving forward, be recognized for your work and your sketches, or are you starting to feel like you'd rather be recognized for your personalities and who you are? Hmm. That's an interesting, interesting question. So it's Kat, right? Yeah. Kat said that we are doing this podcast and we're, you know, we push our personalities pretty far on Instagram. I do, pers personally. Yeah. I know you've been you know, trying to show show a little more personality, I think, in your, in your Instagram, right? <laughs> Try is the operative word there. Um, yeah, I've been trying. Yeah, so <laughs> it sounds like I'm trying to have a kid. I've been trying. Um, yeah, do, do we want to move? I, I think it's, it's hand in hand, you know, the, the idea of being good at sketching and also having a personality, because that is how the world works, right? You could be an amazing designer, amazing sketcher, but, you know, if you have a sucky personality, if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you're horrible to work with, no one's going to want to hire you. I think um, one, of the, one of the reasons that I was so enthusiastic about starting the podcast was I was noticing that less and less I was talking about my work with people. Like, it, it wasn't happening as often in my job to where I felt comfortable talking about my work. And, you know, presentations were sort of anxiety-inducing. And I think the, doing the podcast has made me a lot more comfortable with expressing how I feel about different things and consolidating my thoughts and speaking clearly. Um, it, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a lesson in communication. For sure. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I, I'm also wary of how I express insecurities on the podcast, <laughs> you know, because I, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want that to be my persona, but I do think it's also important that people realize that, you know, all creative people have their insecurities. And, yeah. I, I think one thing to know as well is like just because you don't want to post your personality online or you don't want to be, you know, this this figure doesn't mean that you're a bad person. Like you could easily be a great designer and then a client or a you know hiring manager brings you in and you could have a great personality. You know, it doesn't mean like you have to put that person personality out there. Mm -hmm. But I w what I will say though, I think that having that personality being out on Instagram or online I think people can connect with that. I mean, we think about, you know, YouTubers and other uh, industries, you know, the people that you connect with are the people that are personable. But do you, I, I think, and, and maybe I'm, I'm um, not interpreting the question correctly, but, um, you know, is there, is there a part of it where the personality supersedes the work? or the personality doesn't jive with the work. That's interesting. Like, like are you diminishing the quality of your work by, by putting yourself out there so much? I, yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't know if it's, if it's related or not. Like, I don't think if you are very outgoing and a very, uh, I don't know, if you have a great personality, I don't think that means that you have bad work. It, it could mean that you do have bad work, but you get hired a lot because people just like you. I actually, I, in school, I remember, um, one of my professors kind of like making a comment saying like, oh, you know, this, this designer, and he was, he was a good designer, but he wasn't, you know, the, the top of the class, but he was really personable. He could talk to anyone and mm. you would feel like you were best friends. Mm. And 
my professor was making a comment like, oh yeah, you know, he's gonna be, you know, high up on the design, the design uh, industry just because he is this guy that everyone wants to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, great, does great design, but you know, compared to the prodigy designer that sits in the corner and just works away, he's gonna be more successful. So that was an interesting comment. I don't know if I agree with that or not, but it's certainly something to think about. Yeah. Thank you very much. I think there was a, another question. And the, hand, the microphone is being handed over to, uh, to another questioner. Um, so I'm Mm. Um, and when you think big and think of many in the future, and when you graduate and go to work, it's more of design for a profit. Mm. Um, and what you like to do for fun or just creativity is like on the side at the work. Mm. Um, what is your post that what you would say? That's a really great question. Right. Um, Nick, how do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the question was in school, we're doing these these fun projects where we kind of get to create whatever we want. You know, we can create a spaceship if we want in school. I mean, you, if you wanted to. Um, and then out of school, you graduate and you have to get a full-time job making products for a company that has to turn a profit. Yeah. And that is very heavily influencing your creativity, for mm-hmm. sure. And, you know, you kind of have to go home. And if you want to do something, you know, fully creative without constraints, you kind of have to do that on your off time. Um, and, you know, my thoughts on that are it's it's pretty true. Like, I, I've experienced that. Um, but I won't say that just because you work for a, a company that has to be profitable doesn't mean that 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 can hinder your creativity. I think it just means you got to be a little bit more creative in a way. Yeah. you got to, like, just turn it up a notch and realize, like, hey, I can't use all the materials and I can't go crazy with this product. I actually have more constraints. And I don't know, maybe that's better because... I can create this product that is amazing, but also is affordable for everyone to use. Right. I think, um, I actually think I enjoy working professionally better than going to school. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I personally like constraints because I think that they push my creativity. For sure. Um, and uh, I mean, of course, I do. I do my side projects, and and those are more exploratory. But even there, I try to give myself constraints. Um, uh, I just, uh, yeah, I just feel very strongly that, like, like the better the constraint, the the better the product. Sometimes, certainly, uh, yeah. or the the better defined constraints. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not you're not doing work that's going nowhere. Um, or I don't know. I think I think uh, the creative sessions guys, uh, you know, really touched on this. Yeah, they do. Because creative session, they started as a blog to do what they wanted in their free time. They have a full time job, and you know they work on you know big pro- client projects, and in the free time they started these design competitions with the Instagram community. Mm-hmm. They've done their own personal projects, and they're all hypothetical. They're all like. You know, if you're in school and you have unlimited resources, you know, you can create whatever you want. Right. But it's interesting that a lot of what I see coming out of those prompts, like the one for the uh, USB uh, desk fan and then the one for the inhaler. The desk, the desk fan we never finished. No. Shh. They're here. They're here. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but um, I think uh, <laughs> I think the one of the cool things about it is a lot of those submissions were fairly realistic. You know, I mean, everybody worked within a constraint of of manufacturability and feasibility and and sort of realism, right. even though you know there was a lot of creativity there. Yeah. Um, so I think there's like a lot more. Maybe there's a lot more wiggle room than than we think sometimes. Um, just as long as you understand the constraints. Yeah. Um, For sure. No, I I totally agree. Yeah, and also it's just exciting to, like, not just think up of the product, but to see it through. You know, I, I that's that's the thing that that schools you don't necessarily get. Yeah, you don't get the final thing in school. No. I mean, you might have a prototype, but... Yeah, I mean, that's that's something where, you know, we shouted out Josh Ellen from um, RIT, uh, professor there, I think he's head of the program. He does the meta project where he gets students involved with industry very early on, um, having them do like sort of these competitions, these prompts for specific brands, yeah. and I think that's awesome. There's, I think that's really exciting. Yeah, and there's that there's that next level of satisfaction when you get to walk into a store and see the product you design on the shelf. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but walking into a Target and looking at a wall and being like, and it's like a gallery of your friend's work. <laughs> it's like I know who designed that spatula. And that peeler, yep. yeah, for sure. But uh, that's, thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. a great question. Thank you. Any other questions down in front? Run. Oh no. Oh, they're fighting. <laughs> So most recent. What was the question? We got to repeat. Oh, sorry. I think the mic might be off. Um, well, we just yeah. The the question was is how do we define constraints for our own personal projects yes. when there when there's no one telling us yes, what to do? Me specifically. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't put yourself into this. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a podcast with both of us. <laughs> You're the other guy. I'm the other guy. Um, but um, I think uh, so. For instance. I kind of, I, I put this goal on myself last year, which I, I didn't achieve necessarily, but I'm in the process of achieving, which was to design something to sell. Um, and I had been made aware of the whole like Shapeways model, which um, the company Other uses, which is, you know, they're a 3D printing company. They can print in metal, they can print in porcelain. They do, you know, they do ceramics and things like that. And you can, you can buy directly from the site and it'll ship to somebody. And, and so I was really fascinated by that model and I was thinking about, I just, you know, wanted to design something to sell. And, and so the first thing that came to mind was a bottle opener. Now, so I, I already had two constraints, something to make through Shapeways and a bottle opener. Right, that's great. And, and that was, I mean, honestly, that was pretty much enough. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, like it's, it's like choosing a manufacturing method, choosing a product. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. I, for me, constraints, so I have a design brand called Almost Object, and the brand is almost a constraint in itself. It's almost a constraint? It's almost a constraint in oh, itself. Oh, yeah, God. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, the idea behind the brand is that there are great products out there, and everyone 
you know, can make a pretty product. Um, but I really wanted to push the boundaries of what objects could be. I really wanted to experiment with products. I really wanted to have the user, you know, interact with the product and be like, whoa, this is something that I haven't quite experienced or dealt with before. This is involves me in some aspect or it's not finished. It's almost per se. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that constraint on some of my personal projects. And yeah, I think like James said, picking a material is a great way to add a constraint. Mm-hmm. Picking a process, that's another way to add a constraint. Um, I think you really got to think what, what you enjoy doing. And then maybe you just, you can arbitrarily pick things or join a join a community. Like the creative session guys, they always give great constraints on their their uh, projects. Yeah, I I would I, I would like to tell a story that I don't know if I've told before in the podcast, but um, this was when I was in college. Initially, I was a communications major uh, focusing in film, and um, I I just my roommate and I were looking around at things that we could do, and, and he was also a communications major focusing in film, and the campus had a TV station, and we were like, they have no programming, like, they, they had like a news show, and okay. then I think maybe some sort of movie review show, but I was, we were like, they have nothing. We could do anything and put it up there. Right. And, but here's where we went wrong. We were like, we're gonna make a sitcom, <laughs> and and not only a sitcom with us, but we are going to put out a call to the to the um, people in the theater department. We're gonna bring in actors. This is we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> this is put together production. an ensemble cast, and we're gonna create the best college-produced sitcom the world has ever seen. And we like wrote a script. We we had we had tryouts. We had you know auditions. We 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 collected a cast. We had a crew. This is how much money do you have in this thing? This is a lot of people. <laughs> My parents are still in debt okay. just from this, and um, and so we we had all this stuff together, and we didn't know what we were doing. We had no idea. We like you know we started filming, and we had no idea how to set up lighting, right. how to set you know set up the cameras, yeah. and we we finally like got enough footage for episode one. Okay, but. <laughs> The Phantom Menace. You guys know that one. That was. It actually turned into a Star Wars movie. Um, but um, no, we 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 filmed it all, and then it completely fell apart. We like couldn't find anybody to edit the footage. Really? We weren't going to edit it ourselves. We handed it off to somebody, and it just like like we were out of our minds trying to get one episode together, and it just never happened. I think we even started filming for episode two, and it just never happened. Oh, I'm so sorry. So then we pivoted. Okay. We, we got everybody together, and we were like, listen, we're gonna, instead of this, we don't like this. Our hearts aren't in it. We're gonna do a skit show. Meanwhile, we have 20 people like sitting around us, for some reason, agreeing to go along this journey with us. And um, we, we did the skit show. We actually did upload skits to YouTube. There are still YouTube videos that you can where, go where, where to check are they? out. Where are they? I gotta find them. I'll, uh, we can post some links. Okay. Um, but uh, we only did a couple skits and it just, like, it was, again, it was too much for us. It was too much of, uh, you know, we were, we were biting off more than we could chew. Yeah, that's a lot of production value there. So then what, what happened was 
I was a, always a part of the radio station at Virginia Tech. I was a, a DJ there, and and I was. What was your DJ name? Oh no! Well, I well DJ Con. What? So James Connors. Oh, J. DJ Con. DJ Con. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> DJ Con Friday afternoons. Yeah. New music. All right. Um, but um, so but the but the thing was we they were also starting talk shows. And my roommate and I were like, you know, we should do a talk show. Like this, that's easy. This it is. is something. This is something that we could conquer. This is something that we could feasibly do. Anyone could do a podcast, talk show, podcast, whatever you want. And we ended up doing that talk show for three years. That's and, awesome. Uh, during school? Like, during school, the okay. entire time. And, and is it gone forever or is it just... And so moment? there's a point to this story. Okay. If you, uh, you know, bear with me. But the, the point is, and, and like when it comes to personal projects, I think this, the analogy of the Creative Sessions guy brought up, the, the Will Smith story, I think it was, about the bricks, this idea that, you know, something that I took from that that, that, that is something that I've thought about is when you're starting something on your own, start as small as you can. Right, and make it just perfect, make and it just, right. Yeah, and just build. So. Like my first, you know, personal project was not a car or a refrigerator. You know, it's right. like it's a bottle opener, and it's like yes, I've worked on teams that have done more complex things, but I'm only one person, and until I create a network of people to to conquer bigger projects, you know, I want to start small, and then I want to just build from there. For right? sure. No, that's so. like that's great advice. I mean, so anyway, no, that's a good story. And Wait, how the audience has left. It, it, <laughs> Nick, the audience left. I just want to know if you can still listen to those radio talk shows. Uh, or are they only on the radio? Uh, are they gone forever? No, I think, I think my roommates, my, my old roommate was best man at my wedding. I think he still has, has them. Oh, the files. Okay. All yeah, the files. Not, so. Yeah, not gonna. so yeah, the entertainment show. It's locked away on his computer forever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway. Well, yeah. Thanks for that question. I think yes. that's a great question. Uh, do we have any other questions? Maybe, maybe one more. Two yes. more. Yes. Over here. Run. Does it work? Yeah, it's working. Where? All right. Oh, notes. So, yeah, so, what was your name? Kristen. <laughs> Kristen. Kristen asks about networking and what, was our, what is our most awkward moment networking? I don't know if it has to be here or it could be anywhere. Yeah, I think it's anywhere, right? Nick, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I have think, one. I've definitely had awkward moments. I, I, I'm I, having one right now. <laughs> I, I, have you ever... There's like nuances to meeting a person, for sure. Right. You know, it's 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 a it's an art form, I think. Mm -hmm. It can be. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember I had this really awkward moment uh, meeting one of I. She she went to school with me. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know her. She was an acquaintance, mm -hmm. but we talk occasionally on Instagram, and like she's a good designer and everything. And she presented at the. Um, the furniture show, ICFF. ICFF? ICFF. 
in New York. Ice. Yeah. F-F. Ice. I-C-E-F-F. No, sorry. Um, and I went up to her and I was like, I, I was so excited to see her because, you know, she does great work. And I wanted to talk to her about it and everything. And I was like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. Mm-hmm. And like I went up to her and for whatever reason, like I should have given her a hug or like not did anything, but I gave her a handshake like we were bros. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> this was not the right way to greet someone. And it was just like one of those cringeworthy moments where I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, did you come in and, and come yeah, yeah. out with a snap? Well, you know, she's this very welcome host. Like, she's just, she's just very welcome. Nice furniture. No, no. Oh, yeah, essentially. It, like, I'll show, you, I'll show you. I'll show you. Like, you pretend like you're uh, you're this, like, well-composed, like, uh, amazing, you know, designer. And pretend, yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. Just pretend. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, oh, hey, how's it going? What's up? <laughs> That's how it felt. What's That's up? How, that's how it felt in my mind. And oh, I was like, no. oh, I should have just been like, you know, nice to see you. you know, yeah, speak, it was it was definitely awkward, gently. for sure. And you know, those those times happen, and you just got to move past them. Do you have any awkward moments, James? <sighs> awkward moments. Uh, I'm trying to think of a networking one. I'm I'm going to tell uh, another story from my formative years. I went to uh, this is just an awkward meeting okay. of a hero. Okay. I'm a big fan of the of the band Spoon. Um, and uh, I love them, love all their work, and uh, they were at Bonnaroo, and I was at Bonnaroo, coincidentally. And uh, I, um, I was so excited because they were doing a meet and greet and a signing afterward, and I, I like stood in line, and I was like, this is what I'm gonna say to Britt Daniel, lead singer Spoon, he's such an inspiration, such an amazing songwriter. And I got up there, and I looked him in the eyes, and I took a deep breath, and I said, hi. And that's it? And that was it. Oh. That was all that came out of my mouth. He wrote, hi, exclamation point. Britt Daniel passed it to the next bandmate. And no. I was moved down the line. So uh, I missed my oh. shot. But, um, it, it happens to all of us, for sure. Yeah. But, um, I, oh, here's an awkward one. Okay. This was not a, a, a direct... Um, uh, like networking moment. This was not face to face, but this was over LinkedIn. Um, and awkward over LinkedIn. Oh, that's pretty. Man. That's pretty. Awkward, I was linked sure. out. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so uh, it was. I was at my first my first year at my job, and I was I was not too happy, and I was trying to get out. Okay. And um, I was in the sunken place, and um, so I um, I. Uh, was a huge admirer of Minimal, the uh, the design firm in mm-hmm. Chicago. I you know I love their work. Right. Um, Scott is a huge inspiration, and so actually, I my senior year of college or no junior year, I did a project with Reach Legal and Oscar, and we were um, we got a scholarship from Eastman Innovation Lab, and we were connected with this guy. Uh, I believe his name is Galen White, and okay. he he was. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what his position was, but he, he gave us the award, he brought us down, we did this video okay. for, for Eastman Innovation Lab. You can find it on Reed's YouTube YouTube channel. And so I saw that Galen was connected to Scott. Oh, okay. And so I was in a, in a moment of just sheer stupidity and desperation. I was like, Galen, can you introduce me to Scott? Because I, you know, I really want to work there. And and so it was like that thing where like, yeah, like make an introduction. Right, and, right. And, and so 
But what I hadn't realized is that I hadn't updated my LinkedIn in like three years. And then like an hour later, I saw that Scott had looked at my LinkedIn Uh-oh. and saw that, that he had saw and, and I was like, no, like, cause, cause, cause it was, uh, it old. was like, yeah, it was right. old. I hadn't updated anything. It didn't look clean at all. Like there wasn't any sort of update as to my right. professional like, status. It like was like, I was still a student, yeah. even though I was like first year part, part-time working at Longhorns. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. Yes. But I was, I was so embarrassed. And then I tried sending him like an in-mail later. Oh, being man, like, James, this is I, a disaster. I love you, Scott. Like, <laughs> I like, I came, I held a boombox outside of his apartment window. I like nothing worked. You didn't get arrested. I feel like that's. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty awkward. All right. Um, yeah. Um, so we're, we're actually, so this is, this is usually when our podcast ends is about yes. at an hour. I think we should end it and then bring up more people. You, okay. Like, should we end it right now and have the music go out and then have after the music extra things we can why don't we just keep going and we can cut it and then we can put the music in all right yeah we can can cut some stuff around okay all right so this is going to be i think a bit more spontaneous i guess yeah spontaneous we would like to bring up i guess another speaker if if, uh is is joey still here or did he leave joey left okay um, How about Hector's gone too? We wanted to have Hector debate his yeah, Apple. We wanted, to, we wanted to heckle Hector. Apple thing. I don't know if the creative creative guys want to come up and chat a little bit. I don't know. What you... Yeah, come on up, guys. No, it's not that. <laughs> just just in the beginning. I think what we'll do. Oh well, we need another chair. They're approaching the stage. Okay. I think. Uh, we... Can I get the mic? This is exciting. I don't know if there's another chair. On, oh, you got this? Okay. What's up, everybody? There you go. Okay, I, I want to ask you guys a question. Do you guys always present like your hip hop MCs? Because that, that's, that's the vibe that I got from the presentations. Dressed to impress. Well, just the, the tag team. Like, how does it work when you are working professionally? Are you presenting together often or presenting separately? I'm going to answer that. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see. I, I think, like, we read each other pretty well, uh, similar to the keynote yesterday. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm actually, like, kind of a shy, weird, awkward dude. Um, and I get kind of nervous when we're presenting in front of large crowds. So usually, I think Huang knows that, and he knows how I work and how I present. So usually he, he takes the conversation and gets it going. And then when I chill out and I feel better and like I'm ready to express and just take the mic and go, and then I'll go. But yeah. usually, usually Huang's pretty good as big brother, and like he takes care of a lot of shit. And then yeah. I just, oh, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> oh um, man, next month. Thank you. I, I usually just make a lot of noise. Yeah. Uh, sound effects until he he collects his stock and drops all these like really dope quotes and like really good like some introspective analogy for design and I'm like oh shit why was I making so much noise this whole time <laughs> um, 
But to answer your question, we, we dress just to offset people so they're uncomfortable with us. They're like, oh shit, there's hip hop artists in here. Wait, who are we meeting with? Here, here's one thing that James and I are really fascinated by, the hype culture. And oh, I know you, so... you guys have Supreme get up and like all the fancy shoes and everything. Can you talk about what your fascination is with hype culture? Uh, that's a hard answer because it's years and years of sort of compound experience in the hood, in the streets, in the inner city. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I think the biggest influence I would say is Nike and Adidas because growing up in Portland, that culture is there. Um, the sneaker scene is huge there. Um, and just the, the schools that we were raised around, there's a lot of sort of hype around sneaker and sort of um, the best outfits, but also how they're inspiring music and sort of culture in that way. And we've always tied that into sort of art, which is like, you know, the graffiti and sort of how art is made. So uh, uh, we, we, I felt like we've been pretty tied closely to that kind of space. Interesting. I think uh, sometimes what we do is we try to explain things like you're explaining it to uh, Nick's mom. Yes. So the, the thing is, is that there is, there is a lore, I feel like, around creative sessions. You guys are like the daft punk of industrial design, yes. I would say. Yes. It, you know, like who are the robots? Uh, and, and so, I mean, for, for people who, who might not know, like how, how would you guys talk about yourself? Like, uh, is that the right question? Yeah, I think maybe, I, I wanted to hear more about kind of your design philosophy. This is where Huang talks. <laughs> uh, uh, well, can, here we go. Can I, can I interject? How, how is it the two brothers end up both, you guys both studied industrial design and then continue to work together? I, I want to know the, the grassroots. So, so, I mean, it's kind of a weird story and looking back, I think it's easier to connect the dots. Um, but we grew up drawing a lot, like mm -hmm. since we were really young kids. And um, it's when we were growing up, a lot of the older kids had really crazy cars. And a lot of them were building cars all the time, like getting crazy parts, big wheels, doing all sorts of things. And, and we weren't, like as kids, we weren't really like financially stable. So mm -hmm. our, for, our way of owning these cars were always to draw them, like drawing the trunk, drawing the wheels, drawing the different parts, drawing the seats. And like fast forward 10, 20, whatever years, it's it somehow connected and now we became, you know, like the dots somehow aligned and then yeah. we're using some of those skills, but. That's great. Um, yeah. We actually started in high school doing architecture. Mm. Um, luckily, our high school was a magnet school, so they had an architecture program, a radio program. Uh, let me see, automotive, health occupations, all of that, but um, we were bad with everything. If it wasn't, if it didn't involve drawing or art, we would just be horrible. So, uh, architecture was where we excelled, um, and then Huang has like a like a story about like Jason Maiden finding him and then getting him into uh, sneaker design at first. Mm. Uh, that story comes after what I want to say. Like, oh, yeah. I, I think my perspective is totally different. I, I, this is weird. <laughs> what is he saying? Um, no, actually, 
you know the saying, you know, like your first best friends are, are your siblings and cousins, right? So it's it, what you find in the industry today, like you and Nick are really good friends, but there's a competitive edge there that you challenge each other. Right. If you think about sort of the grassroots and where we began, it's like two young Asian boys growing up constantly competing. And you know, the battle's gone already where we're like, we're adults now, we've, we've come to terms with the fight, but being that competitive at such a young age bred sort of this like, the talent. It was always like, fuck you, you just drew something really dope, I'm gonna get better than that, or holy shit, you just did a design challenge that's sick, I'm gonna pick <laughs> something way better than that. So it's, I think the energy is constantly, we're, we're constantly challenging each, each other all the time, and it's yeah. constantly, and it's always there, because we're roommates and we're working at work together and we're, we're always around each other. So it's, it's interesting in that way. I love right? it. It's like a constant push to keep improving each other's work, you know? Definitely. Find a friend, find a brother, find a schoolmate. Yeah. 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 That's great advice. Love brothers with somebody. Cut, yeah. cut your hands. No, I don't condone that. No, James. No, um, don't do that. Well, it, it, I, something that was brought up um, when we were sitting at lunch, uh, I think uh, Anne, was Anne Goodman was asking, she was saying, do you think they ever disagree? Do you think they yeah, ever... Do you guys ever fight? Yeah, do you ever fight about uh, And what does that look design? like? What does that like look like? A project that you're working on together. Uh, I, think I, I, I think we do here and there. Um, but in general, I think we're really understanding for each other, I hope. Um, it, it's unconditional love, so like sometimes you hate your family member, but you're just like, fuck, I gotta deal with it. Um, but, and, it, and it's easier, right, when it's your brother, yeah, because yeah. you're like, well, so, uh, yeah, so, your idea, but like, you can say it, but you're like, dude, that sucks. You're still brothers. Yeah, yeah, like, constructive criticism isn't, doesn't need to be like long-winded or in-depth, yeah. it's just like, oh shit, yeah, 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 I get it. You, we, we know, we vibe. Yeah, I think, um, uh, I think I'm, that's nice. I'm willing to take more crap from him because he's my brother than some, like, like a friend, so he, he could push the limits real far and I'll, I'll just be like, oh, whatever, I don't care. We, we do oh, agree, though. I have to say, Ans, the more stylistic, um, you focus on ID. Like, his core is actually a lot heavier focus on ID. He, um, and I ha I've grown up sort of fond and fascination of around brands. So I've kind of developed that skill set for the last couple years, which is beneficial to where we're at. Um, I do love ID as well, but like we bicker and fight when I have to pull him into the branding side where he's like, no, nah, I just want to focus on industrial design. Do not, do not ask me about iconography or like <laughs> branding. But. Do, you, do you ever gang up on other members of your design team, like as a, as a tag team? They're like, you're wrong. As brothers, I mean, that's formidable. For sure. <laughs> yeah, like, Clem? Like, Clem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pull Clem into this. <laughs> did you, wait, so did you guys both go to school for industrial design? Yeah. Or, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, the, the story about Jason Maiden and I, at, earlier on, I think a lot of the industrial designers go find industrial design en route of architecture. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's true for you guys, um, but that's surely true for me. It's not true, and I would appreciate it if you stopped spreading that lie. <laughs> it's true for me, I think, or some, some, yeah, some more yeah. of you guys. Uh, I think that's the only sort of outlet as far as design as, we, as a kid when we were growing up, but 
Um, my architecture portfolio had, I had focused on a lot of the furniture pieces and a lot of the like pots and pans of my architectural drawings. Mm -hmm. So they would be like, hey, great floor plan. What is this beautiful pot? And what is this here in your architecture work? And I had met Jason Maiden. He actually just finished school. Jason Maiden was ex-director of Jordan at Nike. Oh, wow. Okay. And he came to visit our school, and he was just flipping through my portfolio. And he was like, hey, kid, you're doing the wrong thing. Uh, you should be looking into industrial design. So he uh, literally just grabbed the Jordan letterhead and he's like signing a few and he's like, write whatever you want. Here's a letter of recommendation. I actually wrote a really cool letter of recommendation and I started my industrial uh, design career super early so I had, I had a leverage. Well, wait, what about you on? Where did you figure out about industrial design? Um, so we, we did architecture together in high school and then um, I got out of high school and I continued doing architecture because I really genuinely loved it. Um, and then Huang sent his uh, college projects back and there were like really cool drawings of shoes and like tools and things like that and I was just like, whoa, this stuff exists. Art piece out and just, and just stopped architecture school in Portland and just went straight to California. That's awesome. And it's just been a blast. Great. Yeah, that's cool. What was your what was your first internships? Uh, so did you? I was actually my senior year, and I had a, a sort of when you're in the senior class, you have a thesis mm -hmm. uh, area for your for your setup, so you could set up um, all your work and your research. And it was funny thing was I was sketching a bunch of stuff, but on at the time was sketching all these like shoes and interesting things. Uh, not related to my thesis, and he was posting it onto my area in my desk. And then some of the lead designers from Astro came through, and they're walking through, and they're like, "Oh, all this work, amazing! Who's this guy?" And they're like, "Oh, it's on." So they run to the lab, and they're like, "Oh, he's over there." Grabs him and was like, "You get an internship at Astro," and I was like. Wait a minute, this is my space. <laughs> so he, he, he landed the first internship while we were in college. And then afterwards, I went to a, a summertime. There's a comp small company called Fuse, not big, you can uh, mixed up with Fuse Project in San Francisco, but a small company um, in Oregon. Uh, interned there, and then eventually I went to Astro yeah. as well. So to, to give you context on that story, um, in my first year class in SEAL develop, uh, development class, my, one of my teachers was from Art Center, and she was saying that uh, she walked by some of this, the studios. Like, you don't get studio space until you're a uh, junior or senior, and I've, I was a freshman at the time. And she was saying that at Art Center, they pin stuff all over the walls, like it's just scattered. And in San Francisco, uh, all the professors are professionals, so you get professionals walking by all the time from design firms and offices and different things. So she says, man, you guys need to take advantage of these walls because um, there's so many people walking by and at that time I didn't have a wall. So I decided to sketch and throw it on Huang's wall <laughs> and, and somehow uh, like some, some, uh, some designers from Astro walked by, saw it on the wall. Um, and then they came looking for me and I got an internship through that, but I think earlier Huang was saying that like um, opportunity or luck is like the intersection. Luck, luck is the intersection uh, of opportunity and 
information. Yeah, mm -hmm. and and I had already uh, my 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 first year teacher for ID class was already working for Astro. I saw them, uh, the backstory of that candle and seeing the presentation for the Xbox 360 and learning that Astro did it. Soon after, I started chasing. I started chasing Astro already, and I was like always trying my best whenever I was around an Astro person, mm -hmm. and like always, always like giving it my all, showing as much passion as I could. Um, and then when another designer from Astro walked by, saw that uh, they came looking for me, and then my Astro teacher kind of connected the dots and 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 like backed me up on it. So, so like the stars all aligned, and it worked out, and I got my first internship. That's that's awesome. But, yep. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. I don't know. Did you have any like last remarks? You want to like, I don't promote anything. I think we want to have one more person come up here and defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually have a really cool awkward story I want to share. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, so right after college, I um, I created a concept project that like hit a lot of blogs, and it was my first time experience, sort of like what viral meant, and this is before Instagram, so it just hit like in Gadget and hit Voto and Wired, so those were the only outlets. Um, and this was during the recession, so people weren't getting hired, and I felt so blessed about this. So I met the group for Amazon, that's where my first job was, and uh, it was at the end of the day of a career fair, and um, the, my bo the boss at the time was English, and he was already tired at that day, and English people are really grumpy people. Um, and he's like, what do you want? Just show me one project. Um, and I was like, all right, I gotta show him my best project. So I showed him the one that hit the blogs. And he's like, oh, you're this kid that did it. Uh, you should come in for an interview tomorrow. And I was like, holy shit, I wasn't prepared for that answer. <laughs> so long story short, I come in the interview, they give me the job, and he gives me his personal number just in case I give him a call. Um, and I was so stoked because I was just this young designer like stoked about working, leaving, calling Starbucks and telling them to fuck off because I was like, dude, I am so tired of cleaning the bathroom. Double shot lattes or whatever. Um, and so I called like my brother, like the progression was like my dad, my brother. And then I accidentally, I got home and I was talking to, I think my brother or one of my roommates, but my phone was in my pocket and I pocket held the boss at the time. And he didn't, he didn't pick up, but it went straight to voicemail. Oh, no. And I was just like, fuck Starbucks, fuck this, fuck that. Oh, no. It's over. I'm happy. This is the best day of my life. And then the first day I got to the office on my day, first day of the job, he takes out his phone, iPhone, and he's like, hold on, I got to show you something. <laughs> <laughs> and he plays this message, and he still has it until today. And every time I see him, he's like, hey, dude. Remember this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. Thank you so yeah. much, yeah. guys. Thanks Round for having us. Thank you, guys. Great session. All right, and now it is time. We, we have 10 minutes left. Hector. Well, let's just give a little preface here. I think, you know, we, we've always been in debates of He's Apple. He's got five minutes. Hector has five minutes. So Hector Silva, Silva just came up here. He's the founder of Square One. The, the whole conference in Silva. Silva? Silva. I said Silva. Right? Silver. Um, and, you know, we give him, we give him a little flack because, you know, he, he's a good guy. And, uh, <laughs> we, 
And and we just wanted to get you on the podcast and let you uh, talk about Apple. You're passionate about it. And, and James is uh, I've never, skeptical about Apple. I've never seen something with such hype for Apple as Hector. I've seen a lot of pictures of you holding holding the book open of the uh, of like the Apple product. Like oh, that's a that's a beautiful book. It is a beautiful it's book. A beautiful book. I, I, work. I just, I kind of want to know for foundation purposes where this all stems from. I mean, is it, is it, is there something more to the story than just you like their work? Um, that's a good question. Actually, when I was an undergrad, I went to UI in Champaign. We have some alumni here. And um, I had a Dell PC up until my junior year. Dude, you had a Dell. Yeah, I had a Dell, uh, Dell XPS. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And I used to make fun of my friends who had the old MacBooks because they would get really hot when they would render stuff. Uh, and they'd be like, I would be like, dude, you should cook an egg on that. And just make fun of them. And then I graduated and... <laughs> he used to be like you, James. He'd make fun of I graduated. I graduated at the same time the Creative Session Village graduated. So right into the recession, so it was a big F you to all the graduates, like welcome to the real world. And then I think I went through a time where I started freelancing. After graduation, I, I worked for like two years for a lot of toy uh, uh, contractors here in Chicago. There's, uh, Chicago's known for having a lot of toy invention firms. Um, and everything they had there was Apple stuff. Mm. And I was like, this is so dumb. I got to now learn how to use Mac OS. And it was almost like I got like forced to, to do that. And then little by little, I started to appreciate the little stuff that you fell Johnny in, Ive talks about you fell in, in love. those intimate videos. Yeah, mm -hmm. Johnny. He's talking about the lights. And mm -hmm. then I started to listen to Johnny Ive on headphones at night before I went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I started to drink the Kool-Aid, and I was like, Damn, this is actually, I guess the, the whole Apple thing, and I think we, I think we don't do this much, like, I think now we do it because now we know ID and it's so mainstream, but before, when I, I touched the product, um, I never went, you know, too far into, oh, someone actually made it, someone, there's a process behind this, but then when I started to actually use the Apple and stuff like that, and the products, and then I got, the iPod, and I, that was like 2010, mm -hmm. and I was a freelancer, and when I was a freelancer, they would hire you, so you get paid more, but they don't cover any benefits or anything like that. You guys know right, that, right? right. Yeah. So I was stupid and started, went on eBay and started buying a bunch of Apple stuff, like expensive things, like really nice and like mint condition first iPhone and I started to collect this stuff mm. and I started to really appreciate like oh my god like this is beautiful and I started to photograph the stuff and that that's when the obsession started and then then, then I had to talk with my girlfriend about that and she was like dude <laughs> something is wrong with you uh, because um, yeah um, and then I went to San Francisco um, able to actually meet with the Chris Session Brothers. Mm -hmm. and, and on that trip, I was supposed to meet with a designer. This is really funny. I was supposed to meet with an industrial designer who worked at Samsung. Mm -hmm. I was just meeting her at a coffee, um, at a coffee place to just pick a brain because I really like to work. 
And then I got there late because I was meeting with David Whetstone from Astro. And uh, we talked about Jordans for, we went over and I, I Ubered to the Samsung headquarters and I, she left and I emailed her and I felt so bad. But then as I was leaving the coffee place, right next to the Samsung building is a social club. It's a British social club, I forgot what it's called. Um, and Johnny Ive was standing outside. No, no, oh, no. He, no. he had a, like a, a bag and he had his iPhone. So he was on the phone, I think he was talking to the team. Tim Cook. Of course. And, and then he, he was covering <laughs> he was covering his, his mouth as he was talking. And I Secret stuff. walked and I saw it and then like he's like Tim, I got the lingerie. Yeah. I got the lingerie. <laughs> My whole like I blood pressure went up, everything like just got crazy. Wait, so did you go over and talk to him? Well he's on the phone, so I didn't want to go talk to him. But on the streets on that street in San Francisco, it was a sidewalk and there was this huge concrete planters. So I like leaned against those as he was going to finish his phone call. <laughs> just and, casually. Yeah, and, and I was like, just watching him. Here until he's done talking with Tim, I would, I would, you know, and, um, and then I took my phone out and then I started to snap pictures and started to video. Far away or like with him? Oh, uh, he no, was, he was like, the, the distance was like, I was here and you have a trench did he catch you? Johnny I was where Derek is at oh, right now. That's, okay. that's the distance. And then the start taking photos, and you start, and you hear the shutter go off, like, yeah. and then he, he like looks up, and then he looks away, and then like two seconds later, he like goes into the, sh the social club, and I'm like, shit, I gotta follow him in there. And, 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 this is how like, this is, you're walking out, <laughs> and I, I walk in, or I go into the social club, and there's the ballet people, and they're like, can I help you? And the People that are going to the social club were pulling up with like Mercedes and Teslas, and everyone there has a Tesla. And uh, I was just like, I, you know, I told them, like, hey, I saw someone I want to meet. Can I go in there? And then um, I started offering them money. Oh man! <laughs> and Did you have pounds on you? <laughs> I, I got really like aggressive. I'm like, I, you know, I can give you guys fifty bucks. And then, then I called my girlfriend. I'm like, I, this just happened, and I sent her like proof, like a picture. And she's like, you have to wait for him. Like you have to, like, you went all the way to San Francisco, this just happened, you can't leave. So I stood outside and, uh, you know, just watched the ballet people go in and out with cars. I stood outside for four hours. Whoa! Yeah, and, and uh, he never came out. He never, he never came, came out. out? Where did he go? And then I, then I, then I walked away. He went out the back door, I think. I don't know, I think he, he probably went through some underground, or the back or some shit. The underground like, tunnel I, to the I think he probably got into a TARDIS. You know, and just like yeah, shot he, he never came out, and that's that. That was this. And if you go to my Instagram and you go all the way to 2016, the video is there of of Johnny Ive with wow. his white bag and. Well, to well to check that out. Talking to Tim. That's hilarious. Uh, do you have to get going though? It, yeah, we got we got. I, uh, I have to get going because I'm finishing up the conference right now for the right. remarks yeah yeah well yeah let's wrap it up here yeah um, that was awesome that was a great story that, yeah amazing story hector i i really appreciate you putting this together as well as yes. the whole ads team can we and get a round of applause for hector yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah uh, thank you so much that, that means a lot but um make sure that you find the other 14 people who are wearing ads shirts because they're the ones that really 
put the, the, the blood and sweat into the conference and those are the people I got yelled at by me and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Physically, like, abused and stuff. No, <laughs> no, no, no. And now, now I, I gotta edit, I gotta edit the podcast now. Um, no, those are the real, the real heroes. Like, I think I, I just wanna make sure that they, they get full credit, absolutely. Because there's no way that one person takes a village. Definitely, yeah, yeah, certainly. So. Um, yes, thank you to the ADS team. Thank sure. you to Hector. For thank sure. you for all of you who came here supporting supporting ADS and uh, come to Square One. Yeah, and if you guys enjoyed the podcast and you aren't familiar with it, check it out. You can search it on Apple Podcasts, Minor Details, um, Google Play. We're still working on Spotify. Um, you can check out pictures and things on minordetailspodcast.com. Yeah. Um, my Instagram handle is at Nick P. Baker. And I am at Icon Receipts and... I'm at Apple. <laughs> <laughs> it's you, it's John. I'm at Pictorious underscore. All right. All right, guys. Thanks. Ha 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 ha.